With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. EWDAS-FM, Philadelphia, HD1. An iHeart Radio station. Welcome to this edition of Headlines with Frankie Darcel, a public service show from 105.3 WDAS-FM. We welcome your questions and comments. Join in on the conversation online at WDASFM.com and on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Now here's your host, Frankie Darcel. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Headlines. I'm Frankie Darcel. Happy New Year to you as we wind up the very first weekend of a brand new year, 2018. Phone lines are open 215-263-1053 and 877-894-1053. Let me invite the people who are listening via iHeartRadio as well. You can listen to iHeartRadio around the world. So uh, many people uh, who are serving uh, our country around uh, the world are listening uh, to WDAS, and I get messages all the time. Feel free to give us a call at 877-894-1053. Looking forward to this conversation. What we're going to do this morning is wrap up some of the uh, big topics from 2017 and uh, what we're going to look forward to as well in 2018. And uh, always good to have my guest uh, in the studio, Dr. Jean H. Wright. How are you, sir? Good, good, good. And I did say that right, right. Dr. Gene H. Wright. It's actually Dr. H. Gene Wright. Him too. How's he doing? He's doing well. As good, good, good. Dr. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so how how did your book, how did your book do last year? It did okay. I didn't do as much traveling, uh, promoting it as I normally do. Really? uh, Yeah. You were busy last year. I was actually busy, yeah. And you did not do as much. I did not do as much. I, uh, I, I Let me put it this way. I I was going to say you traveled quite a bit. I did, but I did not travel for that purpose. I did a lot of traveling for my day job, and I did a lot of traveling uh, just in terms of working in other communities. But I didn't go specifically. Oh my for goodness! It. How much yeah. more? Tra- just give me a number. How many more days would you have put on your travel schedule if you had it your way and the world were 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 perfect? Well, I would travel probably. You would have added what another fifteen, twenty days to your trip? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. A good a good year for me would be if I was doing. Um, Probably two or three dates a month. Wow. That would be good. How can people get in touch with you? Let me just tell you that Dr. Wright is one of the most prolific speakers. And what you bring to the table in terms of your thought-provoking commentary, uh, your book, I think, is amazing. Um, So, you know, if if you are looking uh, for a speaker um, and the areas you focus on. I focus on um, the impact of trauma. In communities of color, and we can break that down and specifically to uh, boys and men of color and also women. Uh, I also focus on the impact of trauma in the faith community and yeah. how Ooh, faith communities we. can be trauma informed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you know, because want... there used to be a day where we're in churches, and I have you know a person I used to work for, and uh, and she's older, uh, and she said one of the things, one of the reasons she was turned off from church at at eleven um, in her church. A young lady was brought to the front of the church and had to apologize to everyone 
and she was about 17 for being pregnant. Mm. And and so th- she said that day is when she said, mm, I can't do church. Now, I don't know because yeah. she was a little frisky and said they'll never get me in front of church. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, well, she knew that's not the way you do things. Yeah. And, and, yeah. What I, and, and most of the time, people are not intentionally traumatizing folks. They think they're doing the right thing mm. by wherever they have gotten their, their message. At the end of the day, it's about love. It's about support. It's about recognizing that you should you you should be able to build people up and not yeah. tear them down. And I have to tell you, I am you know I am a person that just enjoys doing things with my community. I mean, my resume just totally speaks to that. My mother, I think I got that. There's six of us brothers and sisters. My mother uh, was always a community uh, leader, a community servant. Um, uh, one of my first. Um, experiences with my mother. So as Philadelphia has gotten to know me and has embraced me with so much love, uh, you will continue to find out. My mother, I remember my first time was in the parking lot at the tenement where we lived in Brooklyn, and she was working on the campaign, the presidential campaign of Shirley Chisholm. Wow. And and I just remember that, and that has just stayed in my angst. So I'm always going to be doing something. I just want you all to know that, whether it is Frankie's families and using this platform um, and, and relationships to get baskets together for families. Um, and I realized this year beating breast cancer uh, because I didn't want to talk about it. And I prayed about it and I stayed still and silent and I didn't want to say anything. I just wanted to hit the ground running and get it over with. And, you know, the spirit spoke to me. God spoke to me and said, no, I didn't, I didn't put you in this position because you're cute. Mm-hmm. I didn't put you here because you're talented. I put you here because there is a woman who needs to hear your message. Mm. That early detection is the key. I've got some sisters and some women out here that I need to do some work in the communities. And with that, I need you to go on the air, talk about why I saved your life and how I saved your life. And as a result of that, she will go have a mammogram and can do the work I need her to do. That's right. So I I say to you that these incredible men that I have in the studio with me and Dr. Dr. Gene and and, and also uh, my next guest, who I'm going to introduce, Chad, and I've talked to uh, Attorney Johnson about it as well, talked about doing a men's conference. Women, we conference ourselves to life. I don't say to death. We conference ourselves to life. So there are more than enough women's conferences that I go to, that I attend, that I'm a speaker. But we have to really focus as well, because I love that when you said dealing with men and trauma. Had a conversation with a brother who's really close to me, uh, who's found himself being a who's a father now, and uh, he had a tough. You know, he's he's an attorney, um, smart, uh, well educated, some of the best schools, uh, engaged in the community. He said, Frankie, and I have no idea how to manage this relationship. He said, you know, my 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 father never had a relationship with my mom. I didn't get to know him till I was till I was 35. My mom, who almost treated me like her boyfriend, he said, and now I have a daughter. And so we were talking about his girlfriend. And I said, well, you know, you're at that year and a half where you always find something wrong with the women you're dating. I said, you know, that's that's not them. That's you. At some point, when you say, and I've known this guy 20 years, I said, you know, at some point, you've got to say it's not them because these women don't know each other. Every year and a half that you dated a woman, you start nitpicking. You know, the fact that she put her coat on your couch is not a big deal. Hmm. 
So he said, you know, you might be on to something because men don't talk about that stuff. Right. With someone who can give them an answer that makes sense. I'm not talking about the barbershop. Mm-hmm. So I w- we 2018, we're going to launch our real Let's serious men's conference. I am claiming it on this day, <laughs> January 7th. <laughs> Chad Lassiter, good morning. Happy New Year. Good morning. Happy New Year to you. Good, well, good, right good. Here. How was your How was your 2017? We're going to talk a lot this morning. 2017 was a blessing. Um, it was a year of growth. It was a year of just proving to myself that I could stay disciplined and Amen. principled with regards to a lot of projects. Um, one of the projects I'm doing is a, a project over in Norway um, where we're looking at the anthology of police brutality. We're looking at the whole concept of Black Lives Matter. Um, and then just overall, just working on my health, you know, in the gym a lot. Um, I had one particular scare from a health perspective where there was some uh, temporary memory loss going on, had mm. to get an MRI on the brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they found out that it was not cancerous, there was no tumor, um, but there was something called um, empty partial cella, which is the pituitary gland has a sac, and my sac actually dropped. Uh, and what it does for men is it creates uh, exhaustion. It creates a lot of uh, memory loss um, and also uh, erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something that uh, I didn't have the erectile dysfunction, but if I did. You that, just want to say that for the record. I'm just saying. For the record. If I did, that would have been okay, too. Yeah, they, I they hear you. Something for that. Men, need to t- <laughs> men need to have those conversations. You have to be comfortable in your yeah. skin to talk about it. And That's so right. um, back and forth. Literally, to the, literally. Yeah, yeah, back and forth to the, to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Everything was okay. And then just seeing the growth and development of a lot of my students who um, I teach at Westchester University. Um, and when you heard Dr. Wright talk about, you know, the whole aspect of trauma, we have an initiative with the Department of Behavioral Health Intellectual Disability Services called EMOC, which is an acronym for Engaging Males of Color. And so this past year we did something that, you know, we pushed the narrative forward. We did a whole event around queer males of color. Um, and that whole aspect of queer males of color was looking at sexual orientation intersecting with gender identity. And for us who are heterosexual males, oftentimes because of homophobia, whatever the case may be, we're never in those spaces to to have those conversations. And so some of the work that we're doing with Jamie Brunson and First Person Arts around Beyond Expectations, males of color doing storytelling was really great. And then just overall, you know, every year for me that that I'm alive (laughs) as a black man in a racist society, you know, a glare of stare can cost me my life. I'm just thankful to see another year and just really excited about you know, the moment, not just 2018, but every moment. Mm-hmm. All right. 215-263-1053-877-894-1053. Attorney Shaka Johnson. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Frankie. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So the year in review for you, 2017. Oh, man. Um, from a personal note, yes. uh, 2017 has been very good. Good. Um, much like 15 and 16, yeah. I'd say. <clears throat> um. We tried to focus on, and at least in my office, we tried to focus on a little bit more volunteering. Mm. Uh, there's a judge who I respect um, uh, and admire, mm-hmm. uh, and she says something to the effect of, you know, uh, pro bono work and volunteering is the rent we pay uh, for being citizens, you know, of this world. And so uh, sometimes my clients try to force me into pro bono work. <laughs> Uh, but this year we actually took on a good, a good, a good bit more. Good. Yeah, because um, you tried to write pro bono on all your your mortgage, your space. <laughs> yeah, it just and, didn't and work the, the bank same was way. like, mm. yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, I no, get it. Right. Yeah, 
Um, we also, um, I started taking on some different projects, Frankie. We are looking at opening a summer camp with Paul Roberson School uh, this summer to try to teach um, boys and girls. This, this is not just uh, for young men. I have, a, obviously, just because of the crisis, somewhat of an affinity toward young men. But I'm also seeing the trend in my business that the young women uh, of color are actually, they're, they're going through the same trials and tribulations, quite frankly, in terms of the criminal justice system as the young men. Mm -hmm. So I can no longer um, really distinguish them in that, uh, the young men in that regard. I, I being a, at one point a young black man, I was slightly older black man, but uh, I have an affinity toward the young black men, but I have to embrace the young yeah. black women, the, uh, the women of color, uh, in this crisis. So we're trying to open a summer camp uh, this summer. Uh, just to teach things like financial um, mm. handling, credit, um, those sorts of things. I um, have a few people on uh, on board who are willing to give their time a couple of weeks this summer to assist us. And Paul Robeson School has been uh, uh, gracious enough to lend their facility um, so we can do that. Um, what else did we do uh, in 17? Well, this is not 17, but it's a continuation. Um, Hanifa Singleton uh, died of cancer. Uh Breast cancer, double mastectomy. Um, her family knows we're having this conversation. It's okay. Um, I paid for her funeral, and she was uh, her homegoing services were yesterday, uh -huh. and that was my real. I have a family friend who I'm very close with in their family. That was my first up close and personal with that disease. Mm. And what it's done. And at 40 years old, mm -hmm. at 40, mm -hmm. um, she left behind four children. And uh, by all accounts, and this is the way it seems to always work, by all accounts, a mesmerizing, fantastic person, human being, you know, yeah. just a person whose, whose humanity was um, second to none. You know, that's what, the, for whatever reason, this disease doesn't seem to, uh, at least not by my issue, it doesn't seem to get the murderers and the rapists. It always seems to get people who who we we cry in our soul when their lives are cut short. Wow. Um, but in any event, um, I was moved to to um, um, pay for those funeral services wow. for that family, those yeah. children. My daughter actually um, knows one of her daughters. I found out. Mm -hmm. I found out later, and it really just sort of hit home even further. Like, man, you know, like this. I'm I'm older than her. You know, it's just um very. Uh, and we talk about men not getting health treatment and. It was just something to be, you know, it was an eye opener. It was yeah. an eye opener. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, it's interesting. And, and that, um, you know, my mother is a breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed uh, in 2000. We started the Sister Strut 20 years ago, 18, uh, uh, as a result of that diagnosis at that time. Uh, we didn't talk about it, yeah. women, period. Yeah. Uh, it was something to talk about. It was the why me. Uh, and and when and for black women in particular, uh, it, it it was we started the campaign. It was a campaign to stop the silence. Mm -hmm. uh, and at that time, we couldn't even say breast on the radio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So through the American Cancer Society and uh, the Kamanos uh, organization, which is a national organization, started to push for legislation and funds and research. Uh, we were able to start this movement now, and now you see all of these cancer walks and and the like. As it relates to breast cancer, my dearest friend from college, we uh, and her family and her only daughter uh, buried her in February, uh, and she fought gallantly uh, against breast cancer mm -hmm. uh, and, and became a part of a number of different trials and the like. So when my diagnosis came around, 
you know, I had all of that. And, and Doc, I can tell you when, when it happened, it took me two weeks to tell my daughter that, and I told only my sister, uh, and I think initially I told my producer, who's also my dear friend, and I knew I had to get a lot together. And I'm a matter-of-fact person. Okay, what do we need to do? How do we need to do this? Let's, let's get moving. But out of that, as you talk about this young lady, and this is why, and I think, you know, when I said earlier that when I didn't want to talk about it, um, people understanding when you get that diagnosis, because I could tell you there were people once that, you know, I did decide that I was going to go public about it. Um, they will talk to you like you're getting ready to die. Right. right. <laughs> you right, know? right. There you say, you know what I mean? Like, oh. like, like it's all over. Mm-hmm. You know. It's been nice knowing you. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you yeah. know. Um, but from a, and it was interesting because it was one of my colleagues who said to me, he said, you know, Frankie, first of all, I'm so glad that you're saying something. Because my wife is a person who never likes going to the doctor. He said, and we have two small children. He said, and I'm going to share with her this conversation that we're having. He said, because my fear is, one, that by the time she does find out something, it's too late. So the fact that you were an advocate and you went early and you found, and I found my situation, because I don't like to give power to the sea. Mm-hmm. I found my situation through my ma- my annual mammogram. And yeah. on the back end of your conversation, this is why I said something publicly. And the letters I've gotten, the emails, the tweets from women who have said, and women in my own personal circle yeah, it's who said, important. Frankie, I've never had a mammogram. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I said, listen, I'm not going to be that ex-smoker that says to you, don't smoke. I'm saying to you, I'm a walking testimony. And I recognize that God is giving me the grace in this situation mm-hmm, to be able to share this story. But I also had survivor's guilt. I walked around after what I call my 92 days. And, and Doc, I'm in the process of figuring out how I'm going to write that book. And mm-hmm. it was uh, Vanessa, uh, who's a sister for people who know her. She walked into the studio once I finished my church. She said, I didn't know how I was going to find you. Mm. She said, I don't know if you're going to be bald. She said, but you're fabulous. I said, now, I didn't just, because I'm sick. That mean I was going to be fabulous. But she said, there's a book in you about that. And I was like, ah, don't yeah. put that on my spirit. Yeah. But I know that there is a book. So I want to do a lookbook, really, and the stories of women that have gone through it. Because one of the things that happened, I said, well, why me? Yeah. And so what my colleague said to me was, that not only were you an advocate, but you could tell the full story now. And, and because as much as I, the years, that 20 years mm-hmm. I've done this, I was always going to get your mammogram. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When there were women who would come to the walk one year, and then I'd see their family the next year because she didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And there were many women who I saw throughout the years, and they never miss a year. So it is so very important. And in there, I, like you said, I want to be able to also encourage you, whatever your health issue might be, to deal with that health issue. And I can't take them all on, but I'll speak to the blessing that God has given me to be able to say, go get your mammograms, your self-breast examinations, and that it is so very important. So for me, I've now dealt with the so what do you do next? Yeah, right. You know, and, and, and how do you, you know, are, is that their fear? But I'm not going to allow fear and my faith 
to exist in the same place. Yeah. That's right. Because my fear that tried to creep in, once I got through my 92 days, because ah, it's now time for me to have another mammogram, go to my doctors and follow up. My faith said that when I, when I took it and the doctor said, we see something that we haven't seen. Immediately, my thing was, whatever it is, I'm beating this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when the doctor finally came in and said, okay, Frankie, this is what we're dealing with, I said, look, I got some scissors, you got some sutures, we in the office, can we do this today? <laughs> so I'm not going to allow my fear mm-hmm. and my faith to coexist in order for me to move on. Whatever it is that God has for me, he has set that plan and I accept. Mm. No, I was just going to say, and I think it's very important because of the platform and the blessing that you've been given as a survivor, that your story has the ability to transform those individuals who are living in silence. And I think we also have to push the paradigm to look at the impact that breast cancer has on men. I was five years into my my marriage. Um, I was married for 15 years, and my then wife came down with breast cancer. And the whole ordeal of the lumpectomy, having to research what that word meant, the whole aspect of her hair falling out, I mean, every part of her hair, you know, um, her eyebrows, you know, everything. And then having to deal with the fact that when you hear that C word, cancer, you're saying to yourself, wow, it's devastating that there's a finality to it. Mm-hmm. And so you mm-hmm. suffer in silence as a man because of those virtues of hypermasculinity, the inability to show your emotions. Uh, one of the things I was able to do from a proactive standpoint is start a male support group at the hospital of University of Penn based on zip codes. So men who were in a various, uh, whatever the zip code was, were able to reach out with men who had been through that experience to help them through that, specifically mm-hmm, men mm-hmm. who are left with with, with children. You know, um, we oftentimes look at the fact that women can be widows, um, but what happens when, you know, a female dies and that yeah. man is left behind to, to rear those yeah, children? Yeah. And so I think that th- one of the main things that we have to continue to do is talk about early detection. And then when we do find out that it's a lumpectomy and mastectomy, we have to have a conversation around sexuality. Mm-hmm. What does that mean if, the, if both breasts are being taken or if one breast is being taken? And then we need to see more men and just more people in general on the front lines with regards to not just research, but those walks. Yeah. Those walks are really yeah. paramount. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of women have discovered their, their lumps through the intimacy with their partners. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, use your imagination. And that's okay. I want to tell you, Richard Roundtree is a breast cancer survivor, Mm -hmm. and he's very, yes, he was diagnosed with breast cancer. I've interviewed him through the years, uh, and he said he was in the shower. And all of a sudden, he said, hmm, there's a lump. He went to his doctor last thing. He was thinking it was breast cancer. And the doctor told him, wait, Shaft can't have breast cancer. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and in fact, it was. So men as well can have breast cancer. He was treated with that. I think something you said, Frankie, that really hit me is when you said the why me. And it's something that I cover in, in my book, Find Strength in Your Struggle. And it's my, my father died in 2009 of sarcoma. And one thing he used to say to me uh, through, through difficulties and challenges that, that I would share with him over the years is, um, why not you? Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't understand what he meant at first. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, and then he mm-hmm. talked about the, found, you know, the platform and, and the foundation of your faith and the fact that, that challenges and trials don't come your way just for the sake of trials and challenges. That's right. There's going to be a praise report. Amen. And so people are watching how you handle difficulties, how they how you handle your your trials and your challenges. And so just like you have a platform for when you're going through something, you have a platform for when you come out the other side mm. of it. Mm. And so 
I embrace that from that point on. And so I never, I don't ask anymore why me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why not me? Why not you? means yeah. I've been chosen because I have the ability, I have the strength, I have the fortitude to do something with it that's going to benefit somebody else. Yeah. Just choose me quarterly. Hey, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. at the yeah. end of the day, it's your <laughs> testimony. You know what I mean? So I can don't, don't choose me every other week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But, it's, but it's your testimony. Yeah, it is. That, and you that know, connects it all yeah. together. And, and you know, I, I and through this process, and I've always known it, and you see it, mm-hmm. and and, and most people don't get engaged in situations. You know, you have your walks and things until it really affects them exactly. or somebody that they know. Yeah. Um, and I was determined that this was not going to take me down. And you can call it determination. You can call it the, this is just not going to take me down. So I literally worked through, I think I took off maybe my surgery. I think it was on Thursday, maybe Thursday-ish. You know, I took the Thursday, Friday off. But I worked through the entire process. I said, I refuse to not be able to do me. I wanted to keep as much normalcy as possible. And when we talk about our families and, you know, I I don't ever take life for granted, you know, and as we age and we hear about our friends, now you almost answer the phone and somebody says, hey, did you hear? I'm like, oh my gosh, am I ready for this conversation? You know, um, and when I, so I don't take life for granted. So one of the things we do when we, with the exception of I have children and we're waiting on you to have yours, um, uh, is that I've raised my daughter to be independent of me. Mm-hmm. You know, her dad, their relationship is what it is, but as the primary caregiver, mm-hmm. and I got to tell you, I was so proud of my daughter when I did tell her, we're getting ready to have surgery, and my best of best friends is there, my sisters are there. And my daughter, literally, when the doctor said, okay, it's time to take you back, she really held a lot of that in. Doc knows, you know, Fallon a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, she literally stepped up with her purse and her wallet and handled her business. Wow. This is what, this is who she is. This is, and so I'm sitting there, and they're getting ready to roll me back. And I sat there saying, thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. That she's prepared right. to do life without me. I had to have the conversation, Doc. Mm-hmm. You know where all the paperwork is. Mm-hmm. You know what the expectation is that I have for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I cry, y'all just bear with me because it's serious. It is. It really is. She knew where my insurance papers are. Yeah, that's real. She knows who the insurance agents are. She needed to deal with. That's right. She knew to call Renard. Mm-hmm. She knows his phone number. Mm-hmm. You know, and as we had that conversation, which is a painful conversation. Yes. And we all know families. You know, when something happens mm-hmm. and there's the one relative mm-hmm. that wants to fight over the dining room chair, and mm-hmm. the person who's done nothing for the person who passed away is the first one to show up, mm-hmm. trying to stake their claim to something. We have to have those conversations right. with our children about what our wishes are. And get your paperwork in order. Mm-hmm. You know? What what I I agree with you wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Um, what I started to do with respect to that preparation in seventeen was uh uh my daughter's uh, she just turned fifteen, so while she was still fourteen. She's a sweetie pie, too. Thank you very much. While she was fourteen, uh my nephew owns a funeral home. I had her attending services of people wow. she didn't wow. know. Wow. Of wow. people she didn't know, and she'd work the funeral. Wow. Handing out obituaries, mm-hmm. tissues, that sort of thing. See, she's been so shielded 
from this level of that that level of pain and mourning, mm-hmm. uh, and we try to do that. And I don't know if sometimes we do. Um, those of us who have progressed, right, in life, my air quotes, progressed, mm-hmm. we've shielded our children mm-hmm. in such a way. I don't know if we've done more harm than good when it comes times mm-hmm. for them to make uh, certain decisions. Um, and so she started to be around uh, some funerals. Uh, the young lady I just told you about, Miss Singleton, she attended that funeral wow. also yesterday just as an attendee. And that's how she found out she knew her daughter. She didn't know yeah. prior to that. Yeah, she yeah. saw her sitting there in the, in the family section. And so that's how I've chosen to start to break the ice yeah. about with a 14 year old. Well, now, now, 15 year old, her birthday was. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last week, but now 15, you know, with uh, but, but someone who probably in, in terms of uh, uh, life dealing you some blows, very mm-hmm, immature because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we've, mm-hmm, we've shielded mm-hmm. her from that. I, I get you know? it. I get it. I and get so, it. And so in that respect, she's, she's a girl. Probably, she's a young lady. she's a young lady. So in that yeah. respect, she's probably six or seven years old. You, know? you want to think and, she is. Well, but well, I'm feeling you, though, because you know, you know, that's a whole different conversation. That's right. That's right. you want her. To be right. Don't give him too much reality. I'm going to let him go with it, Doc. I can't handle it. I'm going to let him go with it, Doc. I feel you, though. So, so what I've decided to do. Because she's really about 13 as you compare to 7, but well, go ahead. Well, in, in terms of that whole. Because you know, you're getting ready to be at. Yeah, you're getting ready to carry a bag. She knows more than you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of that grief. Yeah, let's talk about grief. That's what I'm talking about. Because when we come back. Just because you gave me a whole new topic as we run through the other topics, yes. I'd love to talk to you all about that, but go ahead. But, and what I meant was in terms of that grief piece, because mm-hmm. we've been relatively, yeah. Yeah. you know, she anyway has been, you know, shielded from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, breaking the ice with respect to the conversation about death, watching other people and having the conversation yeah. about the business side of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you have to prepare a funeral. Yeah. You have to get business things in order. Make that's sure, just make that's sure just your insurance yeah, is up to date. exactly. Yeah. That's just been sort of my mm-hmm. lead in to those more weighty yeah, conversations. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Let's take this phone call. They have been so patient uh, holding on uh, calling from Nice Town. And I uh, wanted to talk about this morning the civil rights movement as we move into a brand new year. Hello, Hamilton. Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Headlines. Good morning. Good morning. Well, yeah, you sound like uh, I'm a Christian. You all sound like people of faith. And uh, today in America, we have so much racism and poverty, homelessness, and different things, bad education. And I can't get the churches involved. I mean, this is the time we're going to honor Dr. King once again on the 15th. We can't get people involved in the civil rights movement. I've been out here 21 years in Philadelphia, and you, you might have heard of my sister, Queen of Bass, who's run for mayor here, even 1999 to 2007, Democrat on the ballot. They won't let her speak. They've been harassing her. We're in a freezing cold house today. We shut off all of our family from us. No churches to help us. To my church, I was there for 14 years, Fleischmann Memorial. They won't help us. No churches, no black clergy. They won't help us. 
21 years around here. My dad died here in his 80s, almost around senior. He was out here from 1869 to about 86 till he died in 87. And so we need help with the civil rights movement. The media is blocking us out for 21 years, and no one's helping us. We met even Obama when he was a senator. He didn't help us. And Eric, uh, Eric Holder, Attorney General, he didn't help us. When you 21 say he didn't years. Help, when you say he didn't help us, you're talking about your organization? We, he came in the Philly uh, 2009, uh, June 22nd, I think it was, and we met him. We gave him our stuff that how my sister was shut out of the mayor's race and traumatized, you know, harassed. When she ran for mayor, it was shut off her. He had wore her power at different times, trying to drive her crazy. Okay. And we still don't have heat today in our house. They shut off all of our relatives from us. Her name was Queen. He had Dr. King now the Queen. Okay. Come on. All right. 21 years out here in Philadelphia. We can't get help. Yeah. Queen of Bass. Google Queen of Bass. You really need help. People talk about right. they believe in Hold Jesus, on one second. Hold on. Hold, hold, hold on. Yeah, I, I would just say that some of the challenges that we see um, during King's Day, we see today, the triple evils that King spoke about, poverty, racism, and militarism mm-hmm. are real. Mm-hmm. I would say to this caller, I think uh, in the city of Philadelphia, the biggest challenge that some people have um, with you and your sister is that the community activism that you all have done is welcome and embrace. I think that it's the notion of you all always going around and asking for money and, and situations like that when they have organizations that actually can help you all. They uh, don't help us. Nobody helps us. Well, we no, well let me ask you a question. Let me let me let me say this. Hold on, hold on, because here's the thing. I told you guys that I am a a, a matter of fact person. Um, and and I've been doing this for a very long time. And there are people you know that when you see them, their hand is out like a cup. Now here's here's what I believe. And my mother used to say self-preservation is the first rule Mm -hmm. of God bless the child that has his own. I get it where there are. We need as communities to be able to support each other in initiatives we need to support each other in. And there are times where people need help. The question becomes what help looks like to you is not what it looks like to somebody else. At some point, if you've been asking for one thing and you've not got it, if you want to keep doing the things, if you want to keep getting what you're getting, keep doing what you're doing. If what you've been doing for 20 years is not working, then you must do something different. If the help you need, if the help you need, and I don't know your situation. I hear well, your story. You, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Hamilton. Wait a minute, Hamilton. If, 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 if when you talk about, and I don't know specifically if even if you just gave me one or two things. Um, then you must do for yourself. So oh, yeah, that, for that, that, so for 20, so I hear you. Frankie, Frankie, please. Yes. Are we asking for it? Look, people don't want to give us money. How about giving us media attention? Let me, me, let me ask you this. Let, let me ask you this. People, let, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me say this. Um, so people don't want to give us money. People give you media attention. I've given you, I've just given you six minutes. Well, we need more. I'm well, but no, 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 that's about the evil of our society, the corruption, and the churches behind it. They're not, they're not, they're not coming to say, yeah, let's hope Queen of Bath. They don't, we haven't had Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. Okay. They don't say, we're being traumatized today. I said, we got to freeze the cold house. we got to beg on the street for food when our food stamps run out. Why? 
Shut up all my family got money from us. That's evil. Okay. We might as well be North Korea or something. All right. So when are you all going to help us? Look, help Queen of Bath. Really need me? How about the Tribune won't even help us? NAACP won't help us. Okay. Queen of my dad Here's, the thing. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Here's what, what I'm going to say to you. And I've known you seven minutes. You've talked and mentioned six or seven different people and organizations, and you're asking them all for the same thing. At some point, you've got to get into your own self-rediscovery about what it is that you need to do to accomplish what you need to accomplish. You know, I think we get so caught in, I went to this person for help, and then we get caught in the whole cycle of, I'm, now I'm just calling people out who aren't helping us. My question becomes, if, if this is what you did from point A to point B and it did not work, then maybe we need to change how it is we're approaching what it is that we need to do. If, if, if the issue is food stamps, then what have I done educationally to increase my opportunity to be able to increase the income that I have? They what is it that I'm doing job. differently? If you've been job. doing the same thing they for 20 years. I was up a queen. They got me out of my job, the security officer. No, this is evil. We need to get the churches that are talking to talk, but they're not walking, they don't fear God. All right. If you fear God, you fear hell, then you're going to say, we're going to help get behind a campaign about bringing love to leadership. Okay. That's what Queen of had. And people, the right. church is not getting behind it. The church is scared. Okay. The church All is right. Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton. I've given you nine minutes. So one thing you can take off. Listen, listen. So what what I'm going to say. No, you're not doing me a favor. Here's what I'm going to say. So your position. See, this is probably why you can't get help. This is one of the reasons why you probably can't get help. What I'm going to say to you is. Do you know we have 30 prisons in Pennsylvania? And that's where they're sitting our young people. 30 prisons in Pennsylvania. So take away education. Take away the jobs. Leave in ghettos to throw guns and drugs in it. That's diabolical. The church is sitting back and letting that happen. Hamilton? 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 So I've given you 11 minutes. I do have to take. I have to take. I have to take this break. <laughs> when we come when we come back, I'm going to put the brother on hold. When we come back, we're going to take your phone calls as well. 215-263-1053-877-894-1053. If you want to keep getting what you're getting, keep doing what you're doing. Self-preservation is the rule of law. The phone lines are open for your questions and comments. Now, back to headlines with Frankie Darcel on 105.3 WDAS. Wow, 60 minutes where Frankie Darcel goes by so quickly. The phone line is open 215-263-1053-877-844-1053. If you uh, want to mention something, we've not talked about a number of topics as we look back at 2017, looking forward at 2018. We're going to talk about a number of those topics. You just wanted to wrap something up. Uh, Shaka- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we move forward, I, I just was when Hamilton began his uh, uh, what, what he had to say to us this morning. He talked about uh, civil rights activism, and I couldn't help but think that, uh, and he said there was a lack of civil rights activism. But here in this city, uh, recently sworn in and just taken oath, uh, civil rights uh, I won't call him a civil rights activist, but someone who has been a civil rights attorney uh, for uh, decades on decades was just voted as our uh, first civil rights. Uh, I could say that civil rights slash district attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was sort of a progressive thing. 
uh, with respect to the voters having spoken in the city that they're looking for a change. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, uh, when he took oath uh, to officially take office, 31 district attorneys have been terminated uh, or at least asked to resign with a thumb on uh, in the small of your back wow. um, uh, on Friday. Yeah, that was a huge uh, topic as well. Uh, and, and, and it appeared to be uh, that it was unexpected or and you're in the legal community. Yes. Um, was there any chatter at all? There, there wasn't. Uh, I mean, about, it, uh, the, the, the possibility of major sweeping reform or change. There wasn't. And you're right. This is dead center of my wheelhouse. And no, it was not. Um, many of these uh, attorneys who were fired on Friday, you have cases with. And so you spoke to them on Wednesday. Wow. Because Thursday was a snow day. I was going to say, and Thursday, Thursday we had the city was weather. well. The city closed at noon, mm -hmm. so it was open, but it closed early. But we were talking to some of these attorneys, a lot of them, uh, all throughout the week about cases we have coming up next week, you know, and what you know, you know, uh, negotiations look like, and talking about resolving matters and so forth and so on. And they were speaking as if they'd be at work next week, or so they thought. Hmm. On Friday, as I understand it. Uh, the city was closed, but th if you were fired, you got a phone call to come into the office. Uh, and when they got there, uh, they were uh, met by human resources, uh, taken to their offices. Their things were already boxed for them and then escorted out. And that's how they were done um, coming in. Thirty. Was there people. any indication during the election, uh, during the many uh, um, uh, panel discussions with uh, the conversations as it related to the office of district attorney. Did uh, the well, now district attorney make any uh, intimation that there was uh, there were going to be sweeping changes? Well, uh, reform, I think that's the, and that's the term. That, and yeah. let's, yes, that, which that's the, the term? Reform, the sweeping changes. Sweeping changes. <laughs> and, sweeping you know, changes. And, and I guess for some, they would say, I started in my own wheelhouse. Yeah. Right. So yeah. be real and Some quick. of them had to go. Some of them had to go. That's the thing about it is that he ran on a progressive agenda. Uh, that office has needed reform since the Lynn Abraham days. Absolutely. And so a lot of the people that actually got axed had to go. And so I think that what we have to do now is on that progressive agenda. And when you, let me just go back because I hear somebody saying, what do you mean had to go? What do you mean by that? Well, they just were bad for the office. <laughs> You know, they just weren't good. With with respect to the direction he wanted to take it. Yeah. And some were just probably bad for the office in general. Mm -hmm. But but there were three categories, as I understand it, Frankie, that, that you got a, on a list. One was uh, if you had supervisors with a different vision. All right. And so he has been unabashed and very vocal about the direction he wanted to take the office. If you were still from the Abraham days, well, quite frankly, we won't gel. You've got to go. All right. The second category was veterans, high salaried, do nothing. Stop. Yes, ma'am. To the Lynn Abraham, for those listening who don't understand when you say from the Lynn Abraham days, what does that mean? There was a certain mindset. Uh, and any time a new regime comes in, they usually bring people with the same mindset to advance their agenda. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, especially when you have uh, like in a district attorney's office, when one district attorney leaves uh, or decides not to rerun or what have you, you have some of your like every other elected like every, office, uh, your, your, some of your old regime is left behind. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a mixed bag of feelings toward how things ought to go. Right. Well, he says, well, no, I can't have a progressive agenda with people from an era where we did Lock them up, lock them up, let the court sort them out. When that was the mentality, you had somebody in office that, you know, that fit their their agenda. I have a new agenda. If you're still part of what he feels is the lock them up, lock them up, let courts 
sorted out error, you've got to go. Gotta Doesn't go. mean you're a bad person, but you and I are not. We're oil and water. We can't mix. And I, I don't. That's want why you, we have elections. There, there you have it. And, I, and not uh, intending to be, but you might be a saboteur, you know, without even trying to be. And so that's the first category, which was uh, uh, supervisors who did not gel with his uh, way of thinking in terms of advancing his agenda. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The second category was uh, veteran high-ranking do-nothings, which is high-salaried. Everybody talks about – I've seen these news articles about district attorneys making a paltry amount of money. But you'd be surprised there are a a large – Number of them who are who've been in the office a very long time who may try three cases a year, maybe four cases a year, and get they, paid enormous amount of money. Uh, just give an estimate mm-hmm. of what you would consider high salary, just an estimate or I, a guesstimate. Sure, if you're trying three cases a year, I think high salary becomes you know over eighty thousand dollars to try three cases annually. I think that's a, 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 a nice take home considering what people have to do around here to earn a decent wage to try three cases in, in, in a year or three or four or five. Annually, you know, even if you did one a month, 12, that is uh, uh, when I'm comparing it to the other 67 counties and more specifically right here in Philadelphia, what other district attorneys have to do to earn a wage. And some of them are on trial every week, 52 weeks in a year, you know, then you have some who try maybe 10, 12 cases a year. But that comes with status that comes with. Uh, tenure in the office, and then you become this sort of high-ranking do-little. He said you got to go, right? And so I guess because data speaks for itself, you look and you say three cases a year at 80,000, and this person is doing 35 cases a year, and they're making— Sixty. There you go. And there are so simple math. There you go. I just this is a complicated cases. Very complicated cases. The third category was uh, third and the final category were, were younger uh, attorneys, younger district attorneys uh, with some sort of ethical issues. All right. Uh, or misconduct. Let's call it that with some misconduct. Uh, and, and they left it very generic in that regard. And so you could be in one category, two categories, or you could have really sort of touched all three outside of the veteran and younger D.A. category. So so in the legal community. As of Friday, yes, um, there's a level of understanding about that and the political community of people who heard the now district attorney, Krasner, say, this is what I'm going to do. And he did that. That's correct. That's correct. Now, there are going to be some issues, obviously, because all the cases that we were talking about yeah. that begin on Monday. Pushed now gets pushed. Now down. get continued. So there's going to be somebody. So the on the on the ground effect of all this is. Uh, what happens when uh, 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 somebody who Doc and I know may have case uh, a case on Monday? Well, that attorney's been terminated, you know. So there's somebody possibly sitting in jail. Absolutely, whose case is going to be continued. oh, not possibly. They're guaranteed to be continued because you're sh- you're down thirty. Now you're people. in prison or not prison? You're in jail. That's correct. Because now you're in jail a little longer. A little because longer because of the transition. That's correct. Because because there's no way you could have 31 adequate replacements at the same time you did what you did. So there's there's some some drawback that people are considering as well. 
But some people would say, uh, you know, change, you know, comes with, uh, you know. Yeah. And I will tell you, we did send an invitation to have the district attorney uh, on the show as our guest and one on one. And, you know, we're looking forward to that conversation. Thank you for sharing that. Let's run through a couple of things for 2017. Uh, Let's start um, as we are on the back uh, end of having that conversation. Um, 2017, we saw the former uh, district attorney who's been a guest on the show on a number of occasions. Uh, Seth Williams was sentenced to five years in prison uh, in October. Uh, nearly two-year investigation into, you know, his financial affairs. And now, you know, he's sitting in prison. A lot of the community, because he was the very first African-American to serve uh, in that position, uh, people were disappointed uh, for a number of different reasons. One, those that supported him, that he's there. And two, to have the first African-American, uh, particularly in a major city like Philadelphia. And, and now he's sitting in prison. Your thoughts? Yeah, just just praying for Seth and his family um, and and hoping that um, after his five years that he can recreate his identity um, along the lines of being principled with integrity. Um, I don't wish this on anyone, but once again, it was around personal responsibility and accountability. And what he did was just something that he shouldn't engage in. I think the ego, the super ego, and the <laughs> and all that converged at the same time, and uh, it was just really unfortunate. But he's a relatively young man. I'm not certain what he's going to do, um, but one of the things I do know is that uh, he and I share a, a close colleague and secretary, John Wetzel, who um, is in constant contact with Seth, trying to keep his spirits up. And Seth has been writing Secretary Wetzel, who's the Secretary of Corrections for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, you know, letters letting him know how he's doing. And so one of the things I think in situations like this is that, you know, your earnest friends actually emerge. You know, those people who are authentic. Yeah. Those people who like you because you're Seth, not D.A. Seth Williams. Yeah. yeah. Now that you're inmate Seth Williams. Yeah. You know, that, that I just have to say, because I hear, you know, I always have that listener who talks to me, uh, who says, but he went after state representatives, yeah. individuals, and he at this was doing the same thing at the same time. Like you, you hate to see anyone particularly, you know, have done all the right things. Uh, go down, you know, like this, you know, but it's tough when you have two sides of that conversation uh, for an individual to go after some seasoned individuals uh, while after leaving the press conference went off and did the same. After the the attorney general for the Commonwealth dropped the case because she said it was really tainted because it was along racial lines. And then he engaged in the same thing. So for me, there's no sympathy or empathy with regards to that. But from a humanistic standpoint, yeah. I am concerned about what he's going to do when he leaves because he is a dear colleague of mine, albeit the, the negative stuff that he engaged in. And so, once again, just praying for his daughters, praying for his wife, um, well, his ex-wife, but uh, also hoping that this is a reflective moment for him, a teachable moment, um, that he was given this platform um, and that he used it in, a, in an inappropriate way. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about... Um uh, Lincoln University, for example, after three years without permanent leadership, uh, Lincoln University was named uh, former uh, student and now President Beverly Allen, uh, president of the school in May. She's the former provost and vice uh, chancellor for academic affairs at Winston-Salem. Um, and so now there's new leadership. Clearly, Cheney State is still dealing with uh, a number of those challenges uh, as well that they have, you know, at, at uh, Cheney State. Uh, colleges, quite frankly, across the board uh, are dealing with high how uh, to move to the next millennium uh, in this very expensive time, uh, a man I know <laughs> of, of college, of, of educating 
college students and doing it at a cost that is effective. Sure. Um, so, you know, congratulations to Lincoln University on that. Uh, soda tax in June 2016, um, a vote of 13 to 4, the Philadelphia City Council passed the soda tax. Did talk to the mayor uh, recently uh, about how that is doing, and they're still working through uh, a lot of the whole soda tax issue. You clearly uh, can see where uh, the soda tax is effect- is is um has made a change at the airport flying back into Philadelphia and literally went to the machine and it's nearly $3 in the machine for a 16 ounce bottle. And I just, I was just in sticker shock. I didn't even think about it, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't think about it. And literally for the same bottle of soda that would cost you a dollar 25 a year, two years ago, to go to the machine and say $3, needless to say, the machine was absolutely full. full. <laughs> absolutely full, right. <laughs> absolutely full. You thought, I mean, the, the soda now costs more than this, almost the sandwich. Sure. You know, so it's definitely sticker shock. But the mayor says that it's been effective so far uh, and moving forward. Wanted to share this story with you all uh, that happens uh, pretty much over uh, the weekend. And for those people... Uh, Jamel Hill, who was a reporter uh, for ESPN, made some comments about uh, the president. And uh, the president went on to say that uh, some very disparaging things uh, about uh, Jamel Hill. She was the reporter on ESPN, and there was some commentary. Well, over the weekend, Katie Nolan uh, was uh, suspended. She's an uh, ESPN uh, reporter. And um, she made some comments as well uh, about the president. And uh, as a result, she was given, She and, and Jamel uh, is African-American, and this young lady, Kaylee, Katie Nolan, uh, is Caucasian. Uh, Jamel made the comments about the president and was suspended for two weeks. Uh, this young lady made the comments over the weekend and part of those comments calling him stupid and the like. And the uh, network decided to give her a warning. Your thought? Oh, that's white privilege. Uh, you know, she has her white privilege pass when, when Jamil did it. Uh, it was from the context of, you know, tweeting out on her personal Twitter account. Um, the reality is th- this is a president. And then we won't hear anything from this president as well, because this is a president who takes on black and brown people. This is a president who won't say anything with regards to her. Um, as you and I were talking be- before we got on the air, Frankie, he didn't say anything about the dis acapella that Eminem um, went yeah. at him at. Um, but And so this is just par for the course with ESPN. Um you know, for me, you know, and it's interesting because in the comments here, it it said that ESPN will not suspend Kaylee Kaylee Nolan after she called uh, Donald Trump a quote effing stupid person hmm. is what hmm. she called him uh, on Viceland. Uh, uh, but uh, Jamel's comment um, about the president uh, Hill uh, called him a white supremacist. And the White House uh, called for her termination. Yeah. Uh, it was so a whole she, press conference. She, yeah, she called him a white supremacist. This uh, woman who is who is Caucasian said that he is an effing stupid person, uh, and she gets uh, a a warning. And the white supremacist from Jamil can be analyzed, right? Absolutely. Because we see it in policy. We see it with the xenophobia, the homophobia. We see it with the microaggressions, and we see it with the build the wall, right? And so when you talk about an effing stupid person, that has no analysis. That's mean spirited. That that can be interpreted as a hate speech. Where the white supremacy that Jamil tweeted out is not rooted in and you know hate speech. It's rooted 
rooted in really an analysis of who he is from looking at his administration and his cabinet with Steve Bannon, who's now gone. Through her lens. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. And thank you for uh, holding on. This is George. Welcome to this edition of Headlines. Good morning, George. Yes. Good morning, Frankie. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much for your phone call. Listen, you know what? The best thing Larry did was fired all 30 of them. And then come Monday or Tuesday, he's going to probably fire another 30 of them. Every last one of them got fired. Very disrespectful. They're the most evilest, wickedest people in the DA's office. It ain't no hidden secret. And any lawyer who tries to defend any of those creeps is just as creepy as they are. Let me it's ask you a question. Fact. Do you work in the legal community? I'm in the legal community. I know enough about it to know who's who and who's the players. And each one of them teach that ill repute type behavior. They they corrupted all those young DAs that come in there. They tell them it's all about winning at whatever cost. It's all about numbers. That's all. All right. So Anytime you, you got people in there making two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year, come on. They got one guy and they got Alzheimer's sitting at the desk, been there since uh I think Castile, eighty something years old. But all of them got political sponsors. Larry's the first one to go in there, didn't care about who's who's sponsor. He got rid of that garbage. That's all. He called waste management. They backed the truck up there, and they took all that garbage out. And it's another 30 of them are going to get out of there. It, all of them people are replaced already. Okay? Right. They're replaced, Frankie, and ain't nothing going to be held up. They're going to get a continuance, and the judges, those cases that say must be tried, so what? <laughs> they get thrown out. The DA's office got another chance to retry them, you know, reschedule, whatever they do, appeal it. But I'm I'm glad Larry's there. Larry's doing the right thing. When you come in, you get rid of the garbage and bring your own garbage in. You know, let's <laughs> let's, let's not hope that whatever. he let's not let's let's hope that at least they see his vision. Right. Because if you agree he with his wait a minute, vision. okay. So if you agree with his vision that he made the right decision to get people who are on you the too, same Frankie. page, wait a minute, who are on the same page, then let's hope that right. he will bring in people that are on the same page and not that he would bring in. And garbage. All right, Frankie. Yes, he will fire those if they're not following his vision. You know what? He has no problem firing people. That's what's wrong with you in the political circle. They got sponsors, and sponsors scare them more than the worker. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sometime if you are elected official, you have to take on dead weight because some kingmaker say, listen, this is my friend here, or this is the one I need you to take. You're stuck with some dead weight. That's all. Period. Paying them eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year for what? Garbage. All right, George. Happy New Have Year to you. Have a good one, you. Frankie. Thank, Thank you. you, George. Thank you, George. All right, great. All right. So as we go back around the table, while wow, time goes by so quickly, I have to check in as well with Monica from the Philadelphia Sunday Sun. Uh, some of the things in 2018 you guys are looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to us really just highlighting um, the anthology of police brutality and a lot of these police officers killing black and brown people and getting off with uh, impunity. And I think that we just have to continue to stay vigilant from a policy standpoint. We also need to do more anti-racism training in our police departments throughout the country. All right. Looking forward to continued positive work coming out of the 
lifers at Greater Forts. A lot of the guys uh, that I work with uh, have come home. Suave, uh, Ghani, different ones have come home. Very uh, excited about working with them. Now that they're on the uh, the, the outside and uh, just looking at the gifts and the blessings that they're going to bring to the community. Uh, working with Dr. Reed and and, uh, and and still folks that are inside, you know, with with Sam and and Ali and different ones. So I'm really looking forward to the positives that are going to come with working with the lifers at Greaterford and those brothers that have been released. All right, uh, Attorney Johnson. I just spoke to Packy. Uh, oh, yeah. Just spoke to Packy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he's doing really well since since being home. Um, I'm looking forward to what this year holds, Frankie. Uh, you know, in my discipline, obviously. With respect to um, uh, what some of what George just talked about, the ever-changing, ever-evolving uh, uh, criminal justice uh, sector, um, you know, it's um, it's a fun time to be an attorney right now. Quite frankly, uh, in a progressive city, with uh, a progressive uh, district attorney, who is uh, the chancellor, if you will, of uh, you know matters that seep through and make it to criminal court. Uh, he is at the helm. And it seems as if he's going to be taking a much more structured and critical it's approach. It's going to be interesting moving forward because there are those in the policing community sure. um, that are not allies. That's correct. Well, well think about uh, you know, and I won't I won't get on my soapbox now because we're closing. But I'll just say this: it, it depends on where your where your hope is. My yeah. hope is that we reach a place where justice starts to be administered a little because bit because the more, law is the law. That's correct, right. and administered more fairly and just. And so if that does not comport with your getting overtime, so bad, too bad, so sad. If that doesn't comport with you making a certain amount of stats so that you can rise to the ranks in your police department, so be that. Uh, this, what he's doing, may he may have people who are not in support of his agenda for many reasons that we don't comprehend here around this table. Uh, but I hope I look forward to practicing law uh, in, in this in this new Energy that I'm feeling that's going on in the city right now. Did that energy not exist under the previous administration? It, it did initially For a because, it, yeah, because right. he was the first African American, right? And then it was like new day, new DA, and correct. There was so much promise because a lot of us knew Seth. We knew his story, you know, um, and his narrative was an appealing narrative that he could have launched from there to possibly mayor and then possibly to become the first African American governor in the Commonwealth. Um, but after maybe about a year or two, it went back to the same thing, right? Absolutely. We were excited at the fact that. Seth was running against Lynn because Lynn was his mentor, but Lynn didn't really want to move out of the way. So he was like, listen, I need you to know, write against it's her. It's tough. You know, we've heard the conversation in the previous presidential administration and in this administration where people think they can go in and change Washington. I think the key with what George said and what we all know is that when the political powerhouses decide this is what's going to happen, there are a lot of people on the sideline who you never see. People don't know who they are that are calling the shots for the talking heads. That's right. Um, so there are a lot of people who get elected. And I believe the average person who runs for an elected office does so from a perspective of really wanting to create a positive change and do things for their community until they step in those shoes. And we've heard the term, if you can't run in the tall grass with the big dogs and you put on those shoes and you realize that they were huge to fill right. and that what your agenda is and what the real agenda is once you get into politics, um, uh, some called gangster ticks, um, becomes a whole different story of what you thought you were going to do. And then you get in the position and you find out it's a totally different game that you're dealing with. So do you uh, – clearly there are people that will hope that 
Uh, that would not happen in this case. The potential is it could happen. The question becomes for those who elected this particular district attorney, you know, does he have the uh, to stay in line with what he ran on right. and the direction you think he wants to move that office, all politics considered? Sure. Well, at the outset, all we have to see is he didn't have a track record of politics, so we don't That's have anything, mm-hmm. you know, which is good. Which but, is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Right. Because Absolutely. sometimes in politics, when you don't have the political acumen, right. you really run into a big wall, brick wall. Because a lot of people will say to a lot of elected officials, well, the good thing is, that, you know, they look at what's happening in Washington. You know, they're outside the political circles and then you get in. So they don't owe anybody anything because it wasn't the traditional politicians that got that person elected. Yeah. But there are people. People then who start to work against that individual, Correct. that makes it extremely see, hard. That's when I think we the people, right? That, that's what I'm really excited about, not knowing all his history. But when we look at the trajectory of how politics runs in this city, corruption, recycle politicians, favors, let me do this, let me do that. I think not having the Democratic Party backing him and having organizations like Black Lives Matter who also supported him but will also hold him accountable. And that's what I like about the young brother Asa because Asa said, yeah, 31 people are gone. What are we going to do about this most recent killing of this young man who was shot in the head by the police? And so I think that's one of the things, because in the city of Philadelphia, all we do is we recycle these politicians. We have the black misleadership class, and then we have the baby black misleadership class who are in waiting. And all they do is just follow the same behavior of some of these politicians who are corrupt, some of these uh, individuals who we call most influential. But at the end of the day, we're leading the country in big cities with deep rates of poverty, educational apartheid institutional racism, contracting. When you look at these construction sites, we don't see black and brown people there. So we're hoping that Larry continues to do the things that he needs to do. And we also need to be kind of like alert on the fact that George Soros gave him, gave him a million dollars. And so we don't know what's going to happen. But one of the things we do know is it has a different feel than what it had in the past for me. It feels very different. All right. Yeah. And especially when we'll talk about this moving forward, when you talk about, uh, you know, the conditions, 25 percent of the population in Philadelphia living below the poverty level mm-hmm. is, is tragic. It is really tragic on days like today with below freezing temperatures. There are people who are struggling to stay warm there. And we have a working class poor. We have people who are getting up every day, going to work, doing the best they can with what they're working with and still can't get their heads above water. We should be we should be outraged about that in a progressive city in a big city, a major city like Philadelphia, where we got children who don't eat. When school ends in June, mm. we, we, we must aggressively and progressively and continuously look at how we save our own. We can't, we can't, you know, continue to si- stand on the sideline. And when we talk about, you know, putting people of color in positions, um, it's not just because it's of color. It's because you should understand the condition of the people that look like you mm-hmm. from the communities where you work and where you live. What little bit are each of us doing? Because you don't have to just be an elected official. That's right. Because you can be you can be the governor of your block. You know, you can be the state representative of your community. What little bit are you doing? One, to self of your own self-improvement. Mm-hmm. If, if you went the entire year last year not getting what you needed, ask yourself, do a self-reevaluation of what it is that you wanted and why you didn't get it. And you don't have to share that with anyone. Be truthful to yourself. I need to get my high school diploma. Mm-hmm. I need to finish my bachelor's degree. 
I need to change the people I'm around because I can't keep, you know, the same group of people who are not being progressive and start surrounding myself with people who are doing some of the things I want to do so that I can accomplish what I need to accomplish. So if you've not gotten what you want, what is it now that you must do? Do I need to study harder? Do I need to get a book? Okay, you can't go to college. You know, but what is it? What training is available for me in the community that I can get to help change my circumstance? Because, listen, under this presidential administration, you don't have a whole lot coming. And so all the people that wanted to, all the Bernie Sanders people wanted to sit on the sideline, all the people that weren't ready for a woman to become a president, hello, you got what you want. All the people that said, the, the you know, the electoral process is a joke. Okay, wait till you file your taxes. You own a home. You're not getting as much back in, in that you thought you were going to get. Your health care, you could at least go to a doctor. Now you can't go at all. So when you decide that you're not going to participate in the mm-hmm. process, be prepared to deal with what you're left with. Mm-hmm. You may not like your choices, right. but you got to make one. Mm-hmm. And if you want to change your circumstance, you must first start at your address, 1212 U Avenue. So you can continue to ask for help, but start by helping yourself. That's right. And when you come to me, and you know, and like in this industry, Frankie, you know, I'm interested in doing this. Frankie, well, what have you done? Came to you? No, boo. <laughs> you have to understand. Don't look at the cover of my book to understand the pages of my story. I didn't wake up th- one day and through osmosis just ended here. That's right. You had to put that work This was out. a grind, baby. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Know my story. So when you do ask for help, come to the table with the resume that said you tried to help yourself first. Mm-hmm. And people who help people will help people because they see them helping themselves. That's right. And for those of us who are seasoned in our profession, particularly those who are in community leadership and elected positions, stop being so selfish that we don't have a legacy of individuals that we're leaving to take our place. Who are you training? How dare we mm-hmm. be in the positions that we're in? And let me just say, because there are a lot of older folk, seasoned folk, who are in positions and not wanting to give them up because they've not, one, prepared themselves for their next chapter mm-hmm. and have not created a legacy behind them. The greatest legacy you can leave when you leave an office is that you've trained and prepared somebody to replace you. That's right. If you've sat in a position or a office of leadership and you've not had a group of individuals that you've trained, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Shame on you. And in community service and, and leadership, and elected positions where you can create those kinds of legacies without having to pick and choose who you think should be there. I think somebody made uh, reference to, you know, who gets picked and where they get picked from and who picks those individuals. I get that. You know, I get that because we should be able to work relationships. Each one of us in here should be able to pick up the phone and call either of us and say, this is what I need. Dr. Wright, as a professional and a Ph.D., my daughter is looking to work on her Ph.D. He's been a wonderful resource to my daughter as she makes her transition to graduate school. That's what we should do as parents. That's what we should do as professionals. And ask nothing of it for him or from him. We need to make sure that we create shoulders to stand on, 
because there were shoulders that we stood on. That's right. And I'm going to leave that at that for 2018. Let me check in with Monica and see what's going on. Hello, Monica. Hey, good Sunday morning, Frankie. Always a pleasure to check in with you each and every week. This week's cover of the Philadelphia Sunday Sun features the Reverend Dr. Darren D. McKinley, who's the new pastor of Bright Hope Baptist Church. Also, the Bucks County chapter of the Lynx hosted their fourth annual Legends Tea. And this year at the 23rd Annual Greater Philadelphia MLK Day of Service, they are making history and expecting over 150,000 volunteers this year. Larry Krasner was sworn in as the new Philadelphia DA, and Art Dorrington, who was the first black professional hockey player, uh, passed away. We have Sun Travel, Sports, All Around Philly, and This Week in History, and a whole lot more, and also the funeral services for our Sunny Driver, who was the publisher and the founder of Scoop USA newspaper, has been rescheduled to this Friday, January 12th, at Mount Zion Baptist Church of Germantown on West Rittenhouse Street. Service of viewing is from 9 to 11, and funeral services begin at 11 a.m. This is Monica Peters, social media editor of the Philadelphia Sunday Sun and president of the Philadelphia Black Public Relations Society. You can always catch us on social media at Philadelphia Sunday Sun on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Philadelphia Sun News. And you can catch our stories and exclusive online also at philadelphiasun.com. Wow, always good to hear from you, Monica. Thank you so much. All right, Chad Lassiter, how can people get in touch with you? My Twitter account is at Chad Lassiter72. All right. I can be reached at Dr. Right. Dr. Right. I can be reached on Twitter at, at Dr. H. Gene. Uh, you can email me at ask at drhgene.com, and you can go to my website, drhgene.com. Yeah, and check out his book as well. And uh, you won't find his brother on social media, so get your pen and piece of paper That's out. That's correct. All right. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> Attorney Johnson. Thank you, Frankie. Uh, you can find me at 215-732-7900 or www.shockerjohnsonlaw.com. Appreciate each of you. We're going to work on that men's conference. Okay. And, you know, maybe we'll do a men and women's conference. Because one thing, uh, a brother who uh, I've See worked with. See how they water with, our stuff down? Mm-hmm. Well, it started the men's I, conference at the I top know. of the show. End of the show, men and women's you conference. Listen, only because It'll you be said you had a responsibility, be men, shocking, women, and children for men and women. <laughs> and you're right. You're right. We're ask women. We're going to get a lot of turnout. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? trying to make sure we get a turnout. We're going to do this men's conference. And a brother who I've worked with for years doing workshops and putting together a conference. Um that we, we did for almost five years. And one of the things he did uh, at the conference, and it was one of the most well-attended, we did like eight workshops throughout the day, and it was a man-to-man conference. And so uh, as the chair of the conference, I would go to each of the workshops and stand in the back of the room and see how everything was going. And, you know, so I go to walk into the, the man-to-man conference and, you know, you could, it was in a classroom we had at a community college, and you, could, you know how you look through the glass? So I'm looking through the glass. I walk into the glass because the door is closed. And I looked, and the room is full with, like, 80 brothers, right? And they look over at me, and, and my his name is uh, Dr. Sims. Dr. Sims looked at me, and he shooed me away from the door. And I thought, how dare you? <laughs> they locked me out. Wow. After the panel, he said, Frankie, let me tell you why I locked the door. He said, because men have different conversations when women are around. He said, and I locked the door so that we could be in this room and speak openly just about men. He said, if you had walked in that room, half the brothers would not have been honest about the conversations we were having at that time. Straight no chaser. (laughs) He said, women just changed the dynamic. 
of our presentation, our thought process when you're all in the room. So we're going to keep locking you out. So we're going to have those kinds of workshops, and we're going to do it in such a way that we're going to make it very, very uh, progressive and and just an incredible thing for the community. Um, I do believe that on the shoulders of our community, we should be able to stand on the shoulders of our men. I want you three to hold me to that this year, that we get this done, and we need to start that conversation right now so we can do it by fall. Um, So my email is frankydarcell at uh, iheartmedia.com. And along the way, um, we're going to have a breakfast meeting this year, Dr. Wright. Okay. Well, we could sit down and talk about pulling that together. All I right. do want to share with people as well. I am going to uh, South Africa, and I just want to give people an opportunity of how they can join me. The 18th through the 28th, we will be going to uh, Cape Town. I will, we'll be going to um, uh, Johannesburg, Soweto, and Cape Town. I'll be the host of the Cape Town International Jazz Festival. Uh, you can go to the website. We're giving away one trip. So, uh, you know, go to the website at WDASFM.com. One, to get the information, and you can log on uh, and see if you can. And uh, join us on this trip. Complimentary is being brought to you by the South African Tourism, South African Airways, Advantage International, and of course, 105.3 WDAS. We look forward to it. This is a trip of a lifetime. Uh, thank you so much. And of course, most of all, thank you guys uh, for listening. Produced by Renard Henderson. My name is Frankie Darcel. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Headlines with Frankie Darcel. The comments and opinions expressed on the show are those of the guest and not of iHeartMedia or the management of 105.3 WDAS-FM. Join us again next Sunday at 7 a.m. for another compelling hour of topics important to you on Headlines with Frankie Darcel. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.